Hey everyone, what you're about to listen to is a preview of a bonus episode that is available on our Patreon. If you like this clip, you can grab the whole episode, as well as years of other bonus content, at www.patreon.com slash lionsledbydonkeys. From my understanding, the book series follows Jack Aubrey, which is Russell characters. Russell characters. Uh, <laughs> Russell character, which is Russell Crowe's character in the this movie. This new Australian actor, Russell character. And that just sounds like a Kreda character in like a WWF game, <laughs> but just set to default all the that's way down. That's what your uh, character name in Starfield is, Russell character. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another thing I've spent way too much time <laughs> on recently. Um, and uh, Stephen Maturin, who is played by Paul Bettany in the movie. Uh, and because uh, it's like called the Aubrey Maturin series, Maturin series. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that perfectly. Um I don't know why they decided to turn this into a big budget film. Yeah. Because they're, I mean, I'm not saying it's bad. Of course I'm not. There's a reason why every man above the age of 30 loves this movie. Um, and now that I am one of those men, I get it. Uh, but there's so many books. There's no way they were ever going to do this. They never even made a second movie. Yeah. Um, like they had originally planned on like making this into a series. And it was really capitalizing on the kind of trend at the time of like because Pirates of the Caribbean came out like relatively around the same time like that came out in so. July and yeah, there's 20 books Jesus yeah so like this like came out in November the same year as Pirates of the Caribbean and I feel like the marketing kind of like this is a very serious nautical movie like this is a movie specifically designed for you yeah, I will say we the series is doesn't have a conclusion from my understanding because Patrick O'Brien, the author, died while he was finished while he was working on the twenty first book. King. Um. Yeah. Maybe it does have an ending. If you're one of the people who've read all twenty of these books, let me know. Um. But this is also like a movie of its time. It has mm. a lot of that guys in it. One of the guys that definitely stuck out to me. Um, well, for one, there's there's Tony uh, Tony Dolan. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He no. goes by Demolition Man in, in the heavy metal band Adamcraft. No. Yeah, and I was suspicious of that name, uh, Adamcraft, uh, but uh, they, they, they seem normal. Yeah, okay. Um, but there's also, uh, I, the name is escaping me, but the guy who played Pippin in Lord of the Rings is in this film as well. Yeah, like a pretty stacked cast, like to be honest. And like, do you know what? I I was watching it and I don't really well, I go to the cinema like quite a lot. Um so like if something comes out, like the tickets are super cheap in the theater that's near where I live. So I just go whenever there's like something that's vaguely interesting that I could see. And like I wish I had seen this like on a big screen because it feels like watching it on a laptop doesn't do it justice. And like Agreed. It was, like, so cool to see a movie that, like, felt like it had a big budget, because, like, most, like, kind of action movies now just feel like, oh, they spent $200 million on getting a Hemsworth and a marketing budget. They kind of look like shit. I'm, I'm not a cinema person. I, I've said this countless times on these movie bonus episodes. I'm not a film guy. Mm-hmm. Um... And I'm not going to say back in my day, movies looked better because they, <laughs> a lot of them still looked like shit. This is, the, this is the start of the Boomer Joe era. 
But I will say for like, you know, a budget, this is a budget was $150 million. Yeah. And if you compare that to like a budget of, I don't know, the newest Flash film. Oh, God. You know, like it seems like budgets used to go a lot further back then. I mean, to be fair, they did have to spend about a hundred million on Ezra Miller's uh, court case. So that is, that is true. Like they um, they have been. He, he, uh, sorry, they became a a, a Hawaii cryptid. <laughs> yeah. So the budget for that film was two hundred and twenty million dollars. What they they probably just spent that like trying to figure out how they could send Ezra Miller to Amuamua to get them off the island. I was living in Hawaii when Ezra Miller wa- was on their rampage. <laughs> and like it kind of became like uh, they're a friend of the show and frequent uh, guest host, Sarah. We both lived in Hawaii um, at the same time when Ezra Miller was on the rampage. And we kept joking like, hey, text me. Do you get home to make sure Ezra Miller didn't get you? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, like. Also, didn't Ezra Miller have, like, a cult in, like, Vermont or something and was, like, holed up in some ranch with loads of guns? So there was a story of during the rampage in Hawaii. I feel like rampage is a good way of putting it. Um, When they were on their rampage in Hawaii, they were staying on the big island and they had kidnapped, like, a, a child and there was a loaded gun involved. Yeah, yeah, um, that, that's, that's when they went to Vermont. Why is it always Vermont? Like Vermont's one of like the the twilight zone of the United States. Yeah, it's, it's very it's a very weird place, and I don't mean that. I don't mean weird derogatory. I mean like weird parentheses interesting to yeah, me at least. It's like, like they they were like during the um, American Revolution, Vermont declared independence from not only the British Empire but also the United States. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it has like you know. Vermont has like weird, like it has like a left leaning kind of like general politics, but it's kind of like, you know, crunchy homesteaders. So it's like, how can we weaponize a Ben and Jerry's cannon to shoot the fed, uh, uh, shoot the feds? <laughs> Give him a whiff of the chunky monkey. <laughs> Blowing holes in a cup with a, a barrel full of chunky monkey. But like, I, I don't know. Maybe it's obviously inflation is something to do with it. Salaries go up, you know. Mm-hmm economies exist but something interesting that movies cost so much more these days and yeah i mean i don't think cgi is necessarily terrible like if done correctly i'm not one of Mm. i'm not a film purist in that way by any stretch of the imagination and there was cgi used in this film as well yeah 100 percent. i mean it's like if you go back and watch the original jurassic park it still completely holds up yeah even though those are all giant puppets pretty much because like the thing with cgi in part from like an acting perspective is it takes a completely different skill to get a performance when you're interacting with something that isn't there and it's just like this green like blob on a stick and you're trying to like oh that's meant to be like you know a rock man with a with a new zealand accent you know (laughs) yeah i remember i was at ian ian mckellen the guy who played gandalf uh, when he was filming, I believe the Hobbit trilogy, which I, despite being a massive Lord of the Rings fan, not even I wanted to watch those. <laughs> uh, he said it was one of the most depressing filming experience of his life, and he and he had a really hard time working. Yeah, because everything was CGI, 
and he would just be on set with like little fucking contraptions all around him and he'd have to just pretend he was speaking to people yeah and like like this like master and commander to get back to master and commander is like all right we did watch master and commander yeah we did watch master and commander um it like like even like the big battle scenes and stuff like it like it feels like yes this is an actual set with like 200 people on actually interacting with each other and this is my with like the general like impact that disney quote marvel has had is that like i feel like it's just taken a lot of the physicality out of acting because it's like okay yes it's the green blob embrace the green blob on a stick as if is is your dying raccoon like shipmate i look other other movies use so much cgi and things like that. And Master and Commander, they really did pin down an 11-year-old boy and cut his hand off. Yep, yep. Uh, that, that, then they just chucked him into the sea afterwards because he wasn't even a member of the Union. Yeah, Peter Weir, like, <laughs> what really went the extra mile. <laughs> Method acting. Like, how many extras died on the set? All of them. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> so I, I suppose we should probably, like, start talking about the plot. Like bear, like, bear in mind, Peter Weir is, like, most notable for directing, like, the Dead Poets Society and the Truman Show. So, like, this is a real left turn in his directorial career. Okay, I have an idea for a film now. Okay. Master and Commander, but at the end of the battle, they're surrounded by all their dead and dying comrades, and then they find out they're in the nautical Truman Show. Oh, God, I don't like that. 